Hello and welcome to Truth Talks, brought to you by South African author, theologian and church leader, Dr. Christopher Pepler. Hello again everybody. The title of my Truth Talk today is The Basis for Our Certainty. Wherever possible, I like to speak about and write about things that are actually happening in the world around me. And this way I keep connected to reality and not get off on flights of fancy and so on. Now, over the last couple of months, I've been having an ongoing discussion with a man who is trying to help a family member of his to reach some kind of clarity and truth, because this man that he's dealing with believes in reincarnation and in the life between lives, between these earthly reincarnations. And you know, this guy that he's dealing with is so certain of these things that he's been reading about that he's prepared to stake his eternal destiny on it and he's prepared to endorse these thoughts to other people and present them as some form of good news. So the question is, what on earth is his basis for certainty? Why does he believe so certainly as he does? Now many folk, particularly of my generation, and I'm 70 years of age, base certainty on authoritative statements of some kind. You see, someone and something is certain because some authoritative person or organization or document states that it is certain. For instance, traditional Roman Catholics tend to regard their church's declarations as authoritative. Its things of eternal natures are certain because their church says it's certain. Evangelicals, on the other hand, believe that something is certain because the Bible teaches that it's certain. Their source of authority is the Holy Scriptures, and so on. Agnostics, that's folk who really don't know what to believe, and atheists who really don't believe in much, also appeal to some form of authority. But their authority sources range from experts who, who pontificate about things, or generally accepted scientific theories, or they tend to rely on their own logical reason as the basis of their certainty, or on empirical evidence that if they can feel it, see it, touch it, measure it, and quantify it, then it must be certain. So for them, something is certain if, for instance, the late Stephen Hawking said that it was certain, or that it makes logical sense, or that they have what they regard as hard factual evidence for it. For the main, postmodern folk, and the millennial generation in particular, for, for them nothing really seems to be certain. However, when you really start digging down, they do regard group consensus as the basis for certainty. They also regard the opinions of social media thought leaders as the basis for their certainty. They even see their own personal preferences as being reliable enough to provide sufficient certainty for them to function to go into the future and to meet eternity. Well, let me return to this particular man who is so darn certain that we have lived many lives on earth and that there is something incredibly complex between these lives. By the way, he believes that in the between these many lifetimes on earth, there's a complex system of personal development and hierarchies and so on and so forth. But he also believes that God doesn't exist in any personal form, and therefore evil doesn't exist either. Now again I ask the question, why, why is he so certain of these things? 
Let me give you what I think are the three reasons. Firstly, because he's read two books by someone who claims to have hypnotically regressed thousands of patients to a point where they can recall their previous states of being, their previous incarnations. Honestly, as strange as it may seem, this is his primary basis for his certainty. Secondly, it's because it lines up with what he believes to be reasonable. You see, it, it, it's reasonable to him that no one should be separated from a wonderful future that everybody's destiny is assured in some kind of nirvana. And thirdly, because frankly, it's what he wants to believe. You see, there's no one to hold him to eternal account. There's no one who will judge or measure him. There's just this ongoing state of blessedness for the worst sinner and the greatest saint. Now, contrary to this kind of approach, I have to tell you straight out what my basis for certainty is. My basis for certainty lies in one person as revealed in one authoritative document. The one person is the Lord Jesus Christ. The one document is the inspired word of God, the scriptures. Now, the Bible itself provides a very compact presentation of why I actually hold to this. It's found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. And I want to read to you that whole passage. It's not that long. Just listen to this. 1 Peter 1, sorry, 2 Peter 1, verses 16 through 21. Peter writes, We do not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to the light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the basis for my certainty in things eternal doesn't come from any so-called expert or a cleverly invented myth or something of that nature. It comes from the divinely authenticated witness to the Lord Jesus Christ, which is in and through the Holy Spirit illuminated scriptures. And I have to say that I have subjected this basis of certainty to the most rigorous logic, factual evidence and personal experience that I can. And although I will never understand it all or comprehend it all, it has met every standard of certainty that I have been able to throw at it or hold it up against. For me, this is a reliable source of certainty. So the big question that I have to pose for you, dear listener, is what is the basis for your certainty? You see, on your answer to this simple question 
hangs your peace of mind, your spiritual credibility, and your eternal destiny. Right, I can see Corin is champing at the bit to come and throw her usual curveball questions at me, which, by the way, I have to tell you, I thoroughly enjoy. I enjoy these spontaneous interactions, and I really hope that you enjoy them too. And that the questions she asks kind of represent perhaps some of the things that you've thought about. And I really trust God that my answers would be uh, comprehensive enough to to make sense and, and stand against the test of time. Right, here's Corin. Hello, Corin. Dr. Peppertler, I presume. <laughs> okay, so now that's a different start. But yes, I nearly called you Dr. Pepper. <laughs> I also really enjoy our, our Q&A sessions. Good. Um, and I'm so glad we, we do this because, you know, we get to catch up as well, which is great. And then I get some wisdom from my daddy-o. Okay. So cool. this week we're talking about the very light and fluffy topic of the reason for our existence. Uh, not quite. I'm really f- wanting to focus in on why do we believe that we are what we do. You know, what's the basis for our yeah our certainty about these things? Yeah, yeah. which is kind of the reason for our existence. Because if we have no beliefs, then you know why why bother why bother with with existing yeah. at all? You know. You said that, um, I'm going to quote you here, the basis for my certainty in things eternal comes from the divinely authenticated witness to the Lord Jesus in and through a Holy Spirit illuminated understanding of the scriptures. In addition, I've subjected this revelation to rigorous logic, factual evidence and personal experience, which in layman's terms (laughs) are worked out to mean, A, the Holy Spirit has convicted you of it, you've understood and experienced the Bible and read the Bible and see you've taken this knowledge and subjected it to factual evidence as well as personal experiences. For me the most interesting part of that is the factual evidence and personal experiences. What, what have they been in your life? Uh, okay, so first of all yeah, you know, I take your your, your your not so subtle point that that's one hang of a <laughs> mouthful of a, a paragraph. I got it. Let me let me tell you. Let me paraphrase it and tell you what I was actually wanting okay. to say. I want to say that when it comes to eternal things, mm. the basis for my certainty is from what I believe is divinely authorized, okay. which is the Bible. But the Bible yeah. in itself is a witness to Jesus. Yes. And then the Holy Spirit comes and illuminates the scripture so that I can understand what Jesus said and did and apply it, and that's the basis for my certainty. Okay. So I was, I was actually talking primarily about my uh, testing, logical and factual and personal testing of the scriptures oh, them, okay. th- themselves. That was at the end of it. But I'm, re- I'm quite happy to talk more generally. Are you thinking about the existence of God, for instance, and things of that nature? I am, but since we're talking about the scriptures, um, what do you then say to, if if someone asks me what the basis for my reason for existence is, and I say the Bible, then more often than not, if they are not a Christian, they will say, well, how do you know that's real? That was written by different people. It's changed over the years. They might have interpreted it wrong, etc., etc. What do you say to that? OK, 
Okay, so that's a, you know, that's a huge question, mm. and, and it, it's a huge answer. So I'm going to just try and pick up maybe some points of it. So the yeah. first one, the first one comes out of what I think is a misconception as to what the Bible is. Mm. So a lot of Christians try and make the Bible what it doesn't claim to be itself, okay. and certainly non-Christians always assume that our understanding of the Bible is that it's kind of like automatic dictation. Mm. You know, God kind of said, okay, take a take a note, write the following, mm. and then dictated mm. it word for word for word for word, and that's the way it is. And then they battle and they say, but hang on a second. Uh, what about con- things that look like contradictions? What about rounded up numbers? What about dates that don't quite gel? To be fair, he did do that to Moses twice. Well, there, there, are, there are isolated occasions where he actually speaks prophetically in words of one syllable through a person mm. or people. Mm. There's also a part in Revelation where Jesus actually does say to John the yeah. Revelator, write this down. Yeah. And he dictates letters to the seven churches. Yeah. But, but my understanding of the Bible is that God never intended it to be a, first of all, a sort of a cookbook, mm. nor a spiritual dictionary that we can look up stuff. And mm. certainly not a, a, a unilateral, one-sided dictation. Mm. So he involved human authors in them. He worked in conjunction with human authors. He wants the humanity side to come through, I believe. Mm. Because, you know, unless I could discern in the scriptures the influence of the human authors and the lives that they lived, how would I be able to relate to it as a person? Mm. It would be disconnected from my realm of existence, you know? Mm. So the very fact that he has allowed Paul, for instance, when he writes most of the New Testament... Oh, that bird really doesn't want you to talk, eh? Yeah, well, you see, what it is, is it's a flight of plovers that arrive. <laughs> and when they arrive, then the hardy does wait for them. And why do they wait for them? Because they know that your mother will Food's rush out coming. there and feed them. So I'm looking out now at... Uh, half a dozen hardy doors, four plovered, 55 Indian miners, 13 doves, and all the rest of it. And a partridge in your pear tree. And they're really rackety. So I'll try and talk a bit louder over that. Sorry, okay. folks, for that. Where the hang was I? <laughs> okay, you were talking about... Um, we were talking about the Bible and the reason for it and yes. people not believing it and personal experiences, etc. And what but the Bible actually is, that still doesn't answer the question of, well, how do you know it wasn't just some dude that started a rumor or... Oh, okay. All right. So yeah. first first of all, the Bible uh, is made up of an, the Old Testament, what we would call the Old Testament. The, mm. the Jews would call it the First Testament. Mm. And that goes back thousands and thousands of years. The New Testament goes back nearly 2,000 years. Yeah. And the preservation of the writings, those original writings... And the, write, and the copies of those original writings is phenomenal. There, there's no other set of documents in human history that has been uh, so well authenticated. Are those the ones that they found in the Dead Sea, and are they still somewhere in, on Earth? Yeah, that's more than that. Look, nobody can claim to have the original document penned by Paul, for instance. Okay. But what they do have is they do have copies of, or fragments of, or portions of, documents that they can accurately tell were first or second copies. Okay. You know, they didn't have printing presses, so if they wanted yeah, to yeah. pass it on, somebody would have to write it out. Yeah. So they can go all the way back to very, very close to when it was written. 
And there are literally thousands of these copies and portions of these copies in in Mm. existence. Now, when you compare that to somebody like uh, Homer or Plato, who came much later, you know, you've got maybe a dozen, maybe less than a dozen actual documents that you can refer to. So the the documentary evidence is overwhelmingly large. And by looking at it, they can see that the changes that occur, and there have been changes, yeah. are of an insignificant nature. So there's a change of te- tense, or there's a missing punctuation. You know, the early uh, Greek and Hebrew didn't have punctuation in it at all. They yeah, that, that, later. that also is something that comes up, is that the ancient Greek and Hebrew, there's, um, you know, different words, different ways of interpreting a word. Yep. So how do how does anyone know that something huge hasn't been misinterpreted? No, look, um, the, it's never as bad as that because all that's all that's missing is uh, is in the Hebrew. The Hebrew is made up of consonants only; it mm. has no vowels. Mm. So on occasions, something a sentence could mean a number of different things, but then yeah. the context tells you what it is. Yeah. I mean, I would not be saying, these birds are making a racket in my garden. Yeah. And then somebody else comes later and say, well, nobody is actually saying is that aeroplane landed on his stoop. Yeah, no, it's a bit... Okay. The, the, you know, the sure. context is, is going to determine uh, mm. the meaning of that. Mm. So, so the kind of changes that have occurred over the millennia have been very small. And they mm. haven't changed the, the essence of it or the, the truth content of these things. Mm. And there's a huge amount of, of evidence available. And, you know, we are so fortunate that we have got the Internet nowadays because, I mean, you can get onto the Internet, for instance, and you can actually look at the copies. Yeah. You can see photographs of the fragment of parchment that, that is actually being held in a particular university that dates back to the first century, the second century, yeah. and so on. So all of this stuff is available and it's been scrutinized and evaluated by countless top scholars so it's not good enough anymore for a skeptic to say ah yeah you know but you know it could just be myths and and stories and how do we know it's been passed down accurately well they've just got to do a a reasonable due diligence research and they'll find no there's a a massive weight of evidence so you you base your reason for well the your basis for your certainty and things eternal (laughs) to put it the way you did on firstly the bible that's your first go-to yeah definitely that's my first go-to there's no question see my understanding of the bible and by the way i must tell you uh, you know i I talked here about personal experience and uh, Mm. uh, rigorous scrutiny Mm. so i became a born-again christian at the age of 30 Mm. And intuitively, I understood from that moment on that the that the Bible, in its in its form that we have, is actually how God wanted to be. It is inspired. It is sufficient for faith and life, and it is authoritative. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to interrogate that because I didn't believe that God ever asked us to park our brains in our pockets. Mm. And I wanted to be sure of the basis of my faith, and I wanted to be able mm. to know enough to be able to communicate it to other people. Yeah. Yeah. So I subjected it to as rigorous a test as I could. And, and again, it's, we, we are so, I can only use the word blessed, because the amount of resource that anybody has of being able to apply these tests to the Scripture mm. is just enormous, as long as you're mm. prepared to devote that kind of time and attention to it. 
Yeah. And then, of course, I went through a whole study program ending with doctorates. And through that, that whole process, I was able to sift and personally evaluate a lot of this evidence. And so, yeah, I'm absolutely absolutely convinced that the, the, that the Bible, both Old and New Testament, as we have it today in whatever receptor language we're reading, is trustworthy mm. uh, in spite of God. And it is what he wants it to be, which, by the way, I want to go back to my earlier point. Is what he wants it to be is not a dictionary or a systematic mm. theology. It's yeah. to be the, the basis for a dialogue with himself yeah. in which we can come to know him and we can come to know his ways. And it is absolutely perfect for that. So like parts journal, parts sort of how-to manual. No, you know, again, if you, if you look at the 66 books of the Bible, they vary massively. So you've got poetry, you've mm. got wisdom literature, you've got apocryphal... You know, uh, picture stories from the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel. Mm. You've got uh, songs. Mm. Uh, you've got uh, analogies. You've got. Mm. Uh, you even got a, a play. I mean, the book of Job yeah. is, is, a, true, is a morality yeah. play. So yeah. all these different mediums have been brought together in order to communicate God's character and nature to mm. us in so many it's different like, ways that we that we can't fail to encounter him through it. It's like us sending out that. Um, rocket with the Beatles and Morse code and binary and whatever on it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess, but I know on a much grander scale, sp- yeah. spanning thousands of years. Yeah, sure. Now, I, it, that's very interesting to me because although I also obviously believe in the Bible mm. and in its authenticity, etc., for me, it's always been. Um, I, I suppose the Holy Spirit has been like a, my gut conviction. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember even in my rebellious teenage years, yeah, thinking something, <laughs> thinking something bad was going to happen, and, and praying to God, sure. no matter who I thought I, you know, yeah. how much I thought I didn't believe in Him. Sure. Um, and then also the the personal experiences, you know, the miracles that that I have personally experienced in my life. Oh, right. I'd, I'd, I'd put those almost sort of above the what I've you know learned from reading the scriptures. Well, you know, I think I think there's potential area in that because we have to have a yardstick for evaluating personal experiences. Mm. They can be so subjective. Yeah. So the personal experiences must tie in with the scriptural revelation. Then, and then the experience and the Bible confirm one another and we, we 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 know a greater depth of truth yeah okay so in other words you you get three thing three different people tell you some th- the same thing yeah. you need to be able to compare it to the bible to see whether or not it's along the same lines as what the bible would have you do yes so you know so if they tell you to murder and you go and look at the bible and it says don't murder then you go Okay, yeah. that wasn't a miracle. Yeah, look, we we living in a in a generation in a world today where where people don't believe in absolute truth. Yeah, everything is relative. Yeah, and then they don't even know what is relatively true because there's so <laughs> much lying going on. It. We're yeah. living in a, in a non-truth. Um, yeah, Very era. Much. Mm. Yeah, no, forget about false news. There's just mm. non-truth. Yeah. So there has to be, and we desperately need this yardstick mm. that we can go back to. And say, mm. yeah, I can evaluate it against this. 
But we would be foolish if we didn't subject that yardstick to our, to to rigorous scrutiny. Mm. You know, you don't sit on a chair um, if regularly and you know on a tightrope, <laughs> a chair yeah. balancing on a tightrope, unless yeah. you've tested the tightrope and the chair, right? Yeah, that's no, absolutely yeah. But then once you've tested it, you you sit on it because you know yeah. it's going to hold you. Yeah. I, s- I suppose for me, it's, uh, you know, I've been absolutely, yeah, <laughs> I hate to use the word again, but blessed enough to have miraculous things happen that would just have wiped out ap- any kind of hesitation that I could have had. And, yes. um, you know, I, I always think about the, and I've told you this ab- about this before when I was desperately depressed and crying and trying to read the Bible and not understanding it all through my tears and my haze and God what's happening and and then the um, gate buzzer went from way down at the bottom of the complex to my unit and I picked up the little answer phone thing mm. and two sheepish people said we're really sorry but we felt we had to explain what this verse means means <laughs> explained the verse I was reading and then said well have a nice day goodbye <laughs> uh, you see you can't ignore that kind of thing yeah yeah I, again if we had time which which we don't I mean maybe one day we can just um, talk about supernatural things that happen because there, so many have happened in my life that uh, they serve as wonderful confirmations but I don't yes. build my certainty on on the miraculous event Okay. I, I build it on on the truth that's been laid down, and more than just the Bible, on the person the Bible reveals, and that's yes. the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. If there happened to be an agnostic or someone who's sort of sitting on the fence, wondering about things, still listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that in itself would First be a, all, a, a confirming miracle. A miracle. Don't you think? <laughs> Or if someone came and asked you, what direction would you point them into apart from the internet, which is pretty darn massive? Okay, so um, okay, that's a great question. The first thing I would do now here's it's a strange answer, but it's the truth. I would say first read the Bible. You know why? Mm. Because most people who come and ask questions haven't bothered to read the the book. You know, they've heard stories about the Bible. They might have attended sort of Sunday school at one stage. Mm. So I always say, look, look, start off, take the Gospel of John, start there. Don't start in Genesis. Start in the Gospel mm. of John and start reading the Bible itself because only by reading it can you interrogate it, can you think about it, can you expose yourself to its truth. That's the first yeah. step. Yeah. The second thing is there are some wonderful, um, they're called apologists. I hate that word. Oh, it makes you so think that they're apologizing for things. Mm, exactly, but yeah. uh, apologists, what they do is they present evidence in favor of the existence of God and the scriptures. Mm. And there are two really good ones around nowadays. And um, I, I, I've, I've got their websites that I can quickly talk about. Uh, the, f- the first guy is, has been around for a long time. His name is Ravi Zacharias. Okay. And his website is rzim, so that's r-z-i-m dot org. Okay. It's a wealth of information. He's a very, very erudite, highly intelligent, very experienced and uh, well-qualified man. The other one is equally qualified and erudite, and his name is Dr. William Lane Craig. Mm -hmm. 
and his website is reasonablefaith, all one word, dot org. Okay. Reasonablefaith.org. Okay. So just in two sites alone, mm. there's, there's articles, there's Q&As, there's interviews, there's videos, there's book offers, there's all sorts of stuff. Mm. There's, I also heard of another site called truthistheword.com. Have you heard of that one? <laughs> yes, I believe it's fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then there, there are two books which are, uh, they've been, both have been around for quite a while, but they're both the, the books that I would always recommend to folk who are genuinely seeking. Mm. They're not just out-and-out out cynics. They're saying, look, you know, show me something that will help me to understand this. The first one is uh, a book written by a man called Josh McDowell, okay. and it's called New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Hmm. So he's got chapters of all the things I've been talking about now, the actual doc um, documented evidence of the early scriptures and things of that nature, okay. uh, evidence of creation, uh, all the things that people ask questions about. He's got a tremendous amount of, of okay. carefully reasoned, uh, but very readable stuff on that would be for the scientifically minded. No, he's not particularly. He's not a scientist. Okay. It's written. It's written for anybody, but he's pretty thorough, and he's covering okay. the areas that people are normally asking about. You know, how can you say that there was a creation? I mean, I've been told there's a big bang, and, mm. and mm. why do you Dinosaurs. think that God exists? Show me the proof, and all things like yeah. that. You know? Yeah. The other one is a fascinating book. It's been around for decades. Mm. It's called Who Moved the Stone. Okay. And the author is a man called Frank Morrison. I'm not even sure if, if Frank Morrison is still alive, but his book is still on the um, sellers list at Kindle and Amazon and all the rest of it. Okay. Hmm. So w this man was or is an attorney. Yeah. And he was so sick and tired of his friends trotting out the gospel to him <laughs> that he, he asked himself the question, what is it that I could use to disprove their stuff and shut them up once and for all? Yeah. And I've mentioned this before in a, in a podcast, and they, they, he came to the conclusion that the Bible itself says, if you can disprove the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, you've disproved the whole lot. Yeah. So he applied his attorney skills to that, and he thought he would document his journey. Mm. And so chapter one starts with him as an absolute skeptic. <laughs> and he investigates step by step the actual evidence for the life of Jesus, for the death of Jesus, for the resurrection of Jesus, for the ascension of hmm. Jesus. By the time he gets to the final chapter, he's a believer. Wow. So it's a very authentic, and that's great for people who've got sort of legal mindsets or real inquiring minds, because that's what he was. Yeah, or don't have enough time to go to every site and try and work out yes. every single answer. Yeah, so there's, there's four resources. those two websites okay. and the two yeah. books. Awesome. Thanks, Daddy. Okay, so I think our time is probably more or less up. It is, and um, can I say to anyone, if they want us to speak about any specific subjects or whatever, to just let us know any which way they want. That'll be great. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, sir. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Karen. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Truth Talks from Truth is the Word Ministry. If you'd like to share your views, read up on related topics, or purchase one of Dr. Pepler's books, please visit his blog on truthistheword.com. And remember, truth is the word.